Well, thank you for tuning in to Abiding Word Lutheran Church. We are located at Deschler. Our services are at 10.30 a.m. every Sunday, and Sunday school starts at 9.15 a.m. We'd love to have you join us. I'm Pastor John Langness, and again, we thank you for tuning in to hearing God's Word proclaimed through Abiding Word Lutheran Church. In Matthew chapter 28, verses 5 through 6, God inspired Matthew to write these words. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen, as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. This is the true word of God. Let us pray. Dear God, our Heavenly Father, thank you for every word that you have put in writing for us. Everything from the beginning of Genesis to the end of Revelation, thank you for these words. Thank you, Father, for they show us your intentions toward us. They show us how much we need you. They show us your Son, the Savior, who came to earth to change our lives here and to change our lives forever. Help us to hear your word, to understand it. Let it grow in our minds and our hearts and let your word influence and affect and control the words that come from our mouths. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now about 1,600 years ago, long time ago, but one of the best-known preachers anywhere in the world at that time was a man by the name of John. They also gave him a nickname, Chrysostom. It means literally Golden throat. Apparently he was a really good speaker. But on an Easter morning all those years ago, this is what he told the congregation on that morning. Christ is risen, and you, O death, are annihilated. Christ is risen, and the evil ones are cast down. Christ is risen, and the angels rejoice. Christ is risen and life is liberated. Christ is risen and the tomb is emptied of its dead. For Christ, having risen from the dead, is become the first fruit of those who have fallen asleep. That hasn't changed. After 1,600 years, that is still the good news. Christ is risen. And the better news is that he didn't just rise for himself. He's the first fruit, the first of many who will rise. It means that there are a lot more graves that will turn up being empty. Empty because of his resurrection. Because of what Jesus has done on that very first resurrection day, you can face a future filled with life body and soul, here and now and forever. Christ is risen. To human minds, for people who were there, it seemed like it was a sudden and unexpected event. But in the plans of God, this had been a long time in the works. So what happened? As the sun rose on that Sunday morning, three days after Jesus was executed, 
An angel brought good news to a group of women who were coming to a tomb that they did not know would be empty. At that tomb was an angel. Now, if you look through Scripture, you see time and again that angels come to help. And after rolling the stone away from the opening, the angel was sitting on that stone, making himself comfortable, it sounds like. But this was a messenger from God, sent to earth to bring good news, and he was patiently waiting. This isn't the only time that angels appear during the lifetime of Jesus. You remember, an angel came to announce to Mary that the Messiah was about to be miraculously conceived inside of her. Again, angels were at Bethlehem to announce to some working shepherds that the Messiah had been born. He's within walking distance. Angels arrived in the wilderness to minister to Jesus after he spent 40 days in the wilderness without food, being tempted again and again by the tempter. An angel was with Jesus as he was praying in Gethsemane before he was arrested, taken away for trial. Now, in Matthew, one angel is mentioned. In Luke, two angels are mentioned. But there was an angel. There was an angel waiting for that message to be delivered, the people who were not expecting it. You know, angels would have been happy to come and defend Jesus when he was arrested, when he was put on trial, when he was condemned to execution. Anytime, all Jesus had to do was ask, and they would have come. Jesus had told his disciples, Do you think that I cannot appeal to my Father, and he will at once send me more than 12 legions of angels? One legion of Roman soldiers would be more than 5,000 infantry. Jesus did not ask for 60,000 angels to come and rescue him. No quantity of Roman legions was going to be able to stop Jesus from getting up and leaving that tomb. Jesus had come to fight this battle himself, not against Roman soldiers. This was not a battle to be won with the sword. His battle was fought on the cross, not against any human being, not even Roman soldiers occupying and subjugating his country. His battle was against a bigger enemy. His battle was against sin, against death, against evil, against fear. Jesus fought that battle alone without any help from angels or disciples. He fought that battle for us because he loves us. Since that Friday, it has seemed that forgiveness, hope, and life had been defeated. You know, for anybody who'd been listening, they would have heard from Jesus repeatedly that this is exactly what was going to happen. He told them in advance he would be killed, but on the third day, rise. You know, considering the state of mind for all of those people who love Jesus, 
it would have been very difficult to remember those words while he was being arrested, condemned, tortured, crucified, and then taken down from the, to- from the cross and left in a cold, dark tomb. Seeing all of that, it would have been so difficult to remember his words about rising to life. At dawn, on Sunday, on the third day, it was with that grief and that emptiness and that confusion that the women walked to the tomb. Now that Saturday in between, that would have been in the middle of a week-long Passover celebration. But for them, there was no celebrating. It must have been a particularly joyless Passover Sabbath. They would have had the same Passover observance as usual. All the words, all the traditions, they did that every year. But this time, in this whole observance, there would have been a big hole right in the middle of it. Because Jesus wasn't there. So at dawn, the women arrived at the tomb. That morning, they were not the first people there. They expected the guards to be there. They did not expect an angel. They did expect to find the body of Jesus in the tomb there. They did not expect to find Roman guards passed out on the ground like dead men. You can understand their confusion and their fear. But you'll notice that the women did not pass out from fear like the Roman soldiers did. The people who did tremble and black out were the trained, experienced soldiers, hardened by battle, ready to fight and die whenever they were ordered to. What was different? Why would the Roman soldiers be the ones to black out, but the Jewish women would not? If you look at the text, the difference between the two is that the women had the word of God. You remember, the earth had quaked. The angel had descended from heaven, appearing as bright as lightning and as clothing as white as snow. He'd rolled that enormous stone away from the opening and sat on it and paid no attention to the guards. The angel just sat there, and they were terrified. They lost consciousness. The women saw the same angel or angels, but to them an angel spoke words straight from God. Do not be afraid, the angel told them. For I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, as he said. These heavenly words, I'm sure, did not eliminate their fear entirely. They were human. They were just like us. It would be normal for people like us to have some fear with all of these different things happening. But it was not that intense, paralyzing fear that had made these battle-hardened soldiers pass out and fall to the ground because of the message that the angel was bringing to the women. 
the fear that they had was mixed in with joy. So they did more than just see things that they couldn't understand. They had the Word of God. They heard good news that Jesus had risen, just like He had been saying that He would. The Word of God still makes a big difference. If we didn't have the Word of God, if God would be silent with us, we would be left alone to face all of the fear ourselves, all the confusion ourselves, even death ourselves, alone. But with the Word of God, with that good news that Christ has risen and that He's won forgiveness and life and heaven for us, there's also confidence and joy. It's the Word of God that makes a difference in our lives. And it's the Word of God in the flesh that makes such a difference. It's the Word of God that proclaims that assurance to us Reminding us that Jesus has gone into that battle for forgiveness for us. And that battle for life for us. He's gone through death and has risen to life. He hasn't left us alone in our fear. You know, there had been good news of great joy before. Think back to about 30 years before the resurrection. Then an angel told some shepherds who were working in the field, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. That phrase is important, all people. So, not just the Jews, not just the good people, not just the elite people, not just the people who seem to have their lives all together, not just for the powerful people. Peter also said in Acts chapter 10, God shows no partiality. And as Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, for as in, all, for as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. So this is good news of both Christmas and Easter For everyone, all the people, not for just the insiders. Everyone needs to hear this, and it makes such a difference for them to trust it. Because regardless of ethnic group, regardless of economic status, regardless of whether you're in a suit or in blue jeans, there's good news. We hear it on Christmas. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And there's good news for Easter. On the crucifixion, after the third day, this angel now announced more good news of great joy. Once again, this good news is for all people. In fact, if you reword things a little bit, you can see there's a parallel there between the 
what happened on Christmas and what happened on Easter. So bear with me. You could say, for unto you has risen that day a Savior, who is Christ the Lord, Jesus of Nazareth. And this is the sign given to the women who had arrived as Sunday dawned. They would not find him wrapped in grave cloths and lying in a tomb. They would see him risen and alive, and they'd hear his voice. They heard the message that the angel had brought from God to them. Now, they still had that fear. This is all so strange. But there was so much joy mixed in. And though it's been a lot of years since that happened, but the good news is still the same, and it always will be. This good news still comes from God himself for people like you and me. It means that whenever your sin weighs heavily on you and you feel the condemnation, you hear the message from God, Jesus is risen. Your sins are forgiven. It means that when you're stuck in that trap of hopelessness, unable to get yourself out, Hear the message from heaven. Jesus is risen. He lives to give you hope and love and mercy and grace. It means that in the face of death, for yourself or for someone you love, there's a message delivered by angels and prophets and apostles and probably your grandparents. Jesus is risen. The grave could not hold him And now it cannot hold you. Life has been won. It means that when the accuser whispers in your ear that you do not deserve God's mercy, that your sins are too big to be forgiven, that the resurrection is a hoax, that heaven is a myth, that you have to rely on what you can do to save yourself, don't listen. There is a message that the Savior himself has ensured. Jesus is risen. His tomb is empty. It means that when everything seems to be a mess and nothing seems to be going right, there's a message from heaven that God wants you to know. At the cross, it also seemed like everything was a mess and nothing was going right. But Jesus is risen. In spite of the mess of this world, the crucified and risen Savior has made things right between you and God. As it says in the Psalms, He has triumphed gloriously. And He's done it for you. So this is the message from heaven. This is the word of God. This is about the Word of God in flesh, given to save your life. This is the Word of God in the form of a human body who survived death for you. This message from heaven makes all the difference for this world and for the next. Every day you can know that life in this strange world is blessed by God and you are in His care. 
And at the same time, you can live knowing that life in eternity for you is blessed by God. And you're also under his care forever. So you and I do not need to be afraid to die or afraid to live. We do not need to be afraid to repent or afraid to forgive. We do not need to be afraid to come to God in prayer or afraid to come to God someday in person, face to face. We do not need to be afraid to say the wrong thing or afraid to say the right thing. We do not need to be afraid of our past or afraid of our future. We don't even need to be afraid when we mess everything up or afraid when we might not be able to get everything right. Because we live every day in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Whatever we fear is not going to be bigger than him. Not for the guards who fainted. Not for those women who came to take care of the body of Jesus. Not for the disciples. Not for us. Sometimes we're still going to be afraid. We're human. I, for example, if you put me on top of a roof, I'm going to be afraid. If you put me in the middle of a blizzard in a car, <laughs> been there, done that, yes, I'm going to be afraid. A lot of other things. We're human. But for the women, their joy was mixed in with their very human fear. On the other hand, the Roman guards were missing something. They didn't have God's word. They had no one to trust. They had no joy. They were overwhelmed by their fear. Now as the, our passage comes to its end, we read that from there the women went to tell the disciples. We're told Jesus met them and said, Greetings. Uh, the Greek word is actually chaira. But that word that's used in the Bible for greeting here, it literally means joy. So that's how people would greet each other sometimes. So literally, Jesus greeted them saying, Rejoice! Be filled with joy. Even in their fear and their dismay, they could do that. Not because of anything in themselves, but because Jesus is risen. He was risen for them, He's risen for you. That's the message of the angels, that's the message of the women, that's the message that's been entrusted to you. And in that message, there is forgiveness. There's life. So whether the message comes from angels themselves or from you, the truth is the same. Jesus is risen. Forgiveness and life are yours by God's grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to Abiding Word Lutheran Church. If you have any questions about what you've heard, uh, you can contact me at abidingwordpastor at gmail.com. Or if you're looking for more information on, about our church, you can visit our website at deschlerabidingword.com. And our videos of our services are also available on YouTube now at YouTube. 
Our church channel is Deschler Abiding Word, so to put that in the search column, and you should be able to be, watch our services as well. If you're interested in contributing to the ministry of Abiding Word Lutheran Church, you can mail whatever you would like to to Abiding Word Lutheran Church, P.O. Box 218, Deschler, Nebraska, 68340. Thank you, and God bless.